district superintendent, right? <laughs> uh, Pastor Brown. So, Pastor, we're really glad that you're here today. Thank you. It is so absolutely great to be with you today. How many of you in this process have prayed for God's will to be done in the life of this church? Amen. Amen. You know what's so great about this? Is I truly believe today we're at the culmination of the will of God for the people of God here at Elyria. And uh, I think this is a remarkable day. Today marks the culmination of, of planning, of preparing, of, of, of praying, and, and seeing the realization of what God has put before us as the people of God. I always marvel at the handiwork of God, how God is always before us and working in ways that we cannot see. Last evening, I had the privilege of being with a young man that uh, I, I just hadn't seen in several years. And, uh, and, and he shared with me how some interactions that we had had together years ago, 10 years ago, made an impact in his life that I had no clue about. No clue about. I thought I was just being a friend and God was using things for much greater purposes. Don't you love how God is always up to something and it's always better than what we can fathom or see? Don't you love that? I'm so grateful for that. Today's a remarkable day because today marks a new beginning where we get to see what God has designed for us here at Elyria. We believe that today is the culmination of this plan, but also the beginning of how we're going to see new lives impacted by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, that name of Jesus still means something today, doesn't it? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not trying to drum up excitement. Excitement's already here. The Spirit is here. I'm pointing to the fact that when we are obedient to the plan of God, blessing follows. I believe that God has great plans in store for your church. I also believe that those plans included long before we could ever see Pastor Scott, Kristen, and Quinlan and their family. And, and, and they're here today through obedience to Christ. In the days ahead, we're going to look back at today and, and we're going to recognize that, that God's blessing has been all over us. As God does remarkable things through you, as God helps you lead new people to find the hope that is only found in His name, and may the Lord use this congregation to start a move of God, the likes of which we haven't seen. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I think God is desperate for people, a group of people that will absolutely positively believe that He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I think He's desperate for that. And people that will believe it and pray it and trust that God's going to move through their lives, through surrendered lives. I believe these are going to be great days ahead. As we prepare for this official start today, I want to remind you of God's Word in relation to those serving among you. As I read this, make this your own personal commitment to your pastor and his family. Here's what it says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 24. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard because of their work. Live in peace with each other. 
And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. And be patient with everyone. We could use a little more of that in the world. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Jesus said in John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 5, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Remember, he didn't say something. He didn't say a few things. He said, apart from me, nothing. Nothing. There's a chasm that exists between nothing and something. Amen? Amen. And through him, anything is possible. Pastor Scott and Kristen, will you come forward at this time? And you, uh, I believe it's going to be on the screen, is that correct? So, so we'll, we'll, we'll have this and you'll be able to interact with us. And uh, there will be parts where it says congregation, that's you. Isn't that neat? I, I just gave us a quick test and, and, and the answer to the test, right? So that'll be you. And uh, there's a part even where it says church board. They know who they are and we'll go from there, okay? All right. All right. Pastor Eastburn, will you accept the charge to be the spiritual leader of this flock? I will. Congregation, do you affirm that through the Holy Spirit, this church and pastor have been brought together for a time such as this according to the will of God? Will you, who witnessed this new beginning, will you covenant to support and uphold Pastor Eastburn, Kristen, Quinlan, their family? Will you pray for your pastor and his family? Will you encourage and support them as they seek to lead you in the mission of the church? I'm going to ask the church board to stand, if they will now. Um, by the way, could you put your hands together and thank your church board for this moment? They're a great group, great group. And even through lots of COVID and Zoom, uh, somehow we, we, over you know, electronic means, we got to know each other's hearts pretty good even, didn't yeah. we? I'm so thankful for you. So to the church board. Will you, will you affirm that you are willing to be workers together with Pastor Scott and his family in the providence of God? Will you support this pastor with respect, loyalty, love, and fervent prayer? Inasmuch as you're, in a, as you're able, I encourage you as the body of Christ to give sacrificially of your means so that Pastor Eastburn and you, the congregation, can give your full attention to prayer, to ministry of the word, and outreach evangelism in the coming days. And everyone says, we will. We will. Church board, you can have a seat. Pastor? In response to the gracious call of God and 
and gratitude for the confidence you have expressed to me as a church board and you, Pastor Brown, as district superintendent, I accept pastoral leadership of the Illyria Community Church of the Nazarene. I pledge to you a stewardship of these resources and covenant with you to make ours a living, effective church that strives to reach the lost and the broken of our community with the life-saving power of the gospel of Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Amen. Having committed yourself to this work, I charge you to care alike for the young and the old, the strong and the weak, the rich and the poor, and by your words and by your life, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. If so, if you'll do that, would you say, I will? I will. As the district superintendent of the North Central Ohio District, I now officially install Reverend Scott Eastbourne as your pastor. As you enter this new and solemn relationship of pastor and people, you'll continue to have the prayers and support of your district leadership. May God bless you in all that you do. You know, Scripture teaches us. And if you've ever been saved from anything in your life, you're grateful for this. Right. That the latter days of a man's life can be better than the former. And it's great as the history is of this church, could we believe together even yet Amen. that the latter days are going to be even better than the former days. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you guys come to the altar and kneel, and, yep. and we're going to have a quick word of prayer together. The board, I'm going to ask any of you that feel comfortable uh, in this COVID season if you want to come and lay hands. And then for everyone else, if you would like to just even extend a hand to say, yay, God, together, we're just going to we're going to ask God's blessing for this moment. Father, I thank you so much for Pastor Scott and Kristen. Lord, in such a short amount of time, I have grown so very fond of this man and this woman. Lord, I pray that they will see great fruit for their obedience. I pray, Lord, that lives will be forever changed through their witness. I pray that this community, Father, Lord, I know this morning that there are people that are waking up from a, a night that they wish they right. could forget. Right. There are people waking up wondering if there's any hope. There are people right. waking up this morning wondering if their marriage is going to last, wondering what's going to happen to their job, wondering what's going to happen to their children, wondering what the world has in store through this deadly pandemic, Lord. But one thing we know and one thing that we have is that we have the hope of Jesus living right. in right. us. Right. So, Father, I pray that Pastor Scott and, and Kristen, in every facet, in every direction, I pray that your hope overruns through them. Through Quinlan, Lord, I pray, Father, even through this transition, mm -hmm. Lord, that you'll, you'll just help her make wonderful friends, right, right. that that will be very quick, that she'll feel like she's lived here her whole life, Lord. Yes, Lord. I thank you for this great body. I thank you for these great people. And we just want to give you praise for this moment and ask for your will to be done Amen. on earth just as it is in heaven. Right. So, Lord, 
in the days ahead, would you give wisdom? Would you supply power? Would you supply people? Would you supply resources? Would you give us a willing and contrite spirit to see you move, I pray, in the name of Jesus and God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you. Yes, so, Pastor Scott, before you go up, um, I've been a DS almost four years. I'm a month away from being a DS four years. This is the first congregation that on Installation Sunday has ever stood to their feet to welcome their new wow. pastor. Thank you, thank you. First congregation. So my charge to you is whenever the Lord makes you retire, because you're, you're not going to move again, right? I mean, anyway. I don't want to. And, and uh, here's my charge. On the last day, may the response from these people be the exact same. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been six weeks since I preached, so I hope I can remember how. And uh, you had me nervous there a minute. There, Pastor Brent, when you started talking about the later, the latter days, I thought, is he making an age reference? Because that's kind of a weird way to start. Well, I just wanted to um, to just kind of give you just a brief intro and a brief update, and, and I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance because we may go a little bit long. But here's the thing: we got food, so it's it's lunch. You don't have to fight for a table. You just walk out the hallway down the down the corridor, and we're we're going to have lunch together. Um, I just, I wanted to echo a lot that has been said this morning. First of all, I want to thank Pastor Brown. Uh, this started as, a, as an email and a phone call, kind of what God had been stirring in our lives. And, and, um, and, and I've had uh, four different district superintendents. Uh, Pastor Brown is now my fourth. And, and they're all tremendous leaders. But there's just a spirit and a genuineness and a kindness and, and a compassion from Pastor Brown that, that I think is second to none. And I am so looking forward to serving with you. And, and yeah, you can bury me here if you want to. Um, um, also, I, I, I know that Pastor Brown encouraged you, but the church board um, of our church is really a phenomenal group of people. And we did start this journey way back in February with a couple of internet communications. Um, the second one was 90 minutes long, and they asked me like, I think there were 15 questions, but it seemed like about 450. Um, but it was a good, here's the thing. From the very first moment that I had contact with your church board, there was just a genuine, God, it, God gave me this genuine affection for your leaders. And it's, it's now translated into a genuine affection for you. And so thank you so much for the church board and how they led during this whole process. And I wanted to thank you as a church for being incredibly patient with this process. Uh, because it is, it is hard and it's challenging and we want to get this right. And we want to know that God's will is perfectly done in this process. And you have allowed your church leaders and you've allowed our family and the district superintendent to find that and to, to go through that process really, really well. And then you were patient enough to wait until August for me to be installed. And you know, I've been here for about a month, but it's not just um, my, uh, it wasn't just me that said, let's do August 8th. In fact, God's timing is so perfect. When we, when we knew when we were moving, I, I, I 
the DS and I had a conversation about installation date, and he says, I've really got two dates available, the 13th of July and the 8th of August. And the 13th would have been seven days after we moved. I mean, we barely got here. And he's like, no, let's wait till the 8th. And, and so I really, really appreciate this six weeks that we've had to get to know the area, uh, to get to know you guys a little bit better, and to have a chance to just kind of take a break and have a breath. Um, we, we've, uh, we're living in a townhouse in Avon. We've, uh, we're in the process of purchasing a house, purchasing a house at, in Amherst. So all the Amherst folk in the crowd, will be, we're neighbors. Um, and so uh, we're excited to be closing in September. And so um, I just want to give you a little update on, on kind of things and where we're at. And, um, and uh, I, I moved to Ohio, and my Reds are way better off before. I mean, they, they got a better record now than they did when I left Oregon. So something good is happening. God is on the move even in my baseball team. But hey, for my first message with you uh, as your senior pastor, I thought I would begin with a message that I hope will help us begin well. Pastor Brown references beginning well. And, and um, even in any time you have a big transition or a life change, we all want something new. We want to, you know, there's things that we want to cast off, right? We want to start over with. Uh, we want to start fresh. And this is a great opportunity for us to have a new beginning. And my, pr- my prayer is that this message today will, uh, will be, um, as my sermon, refl- I have a sermon title. Can I share that with you? My sermon title today is A Recipe for Beginnings. And it will make a little bit more sense as we get a little bit further. But I, I hope that today is a recipe or a, a good starting point for our beginning together. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a very familiar piece of Scripture that I pray will provide for us a recipe for our beginning. So if you have your Bible with you, grab it and turn to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Now this scripture is where we find um, the fruits of the Spirit. Now if you don't know what the fruits of the Spirit are, they're nine attributes, they're nine ideas for the Christian to grow, how they should be growing, how they should be living, how they should be connecting, how they should be learning and preparing for what God has in store for them in life. And in fact, the fruits of the Spirit are really these directions that God gives us for living together as a body of Christ and to to be able to live out our faith in the world that we live in. And so I think it would be a great place for us to start, a great beginning piece of Scripture Now, in this scripture, we're going to see nine uh, attributes or uh, ideas or for today, since we're talking about a recipe for new beginnings, we're going to refer to these fruits of the Spirit as ingredients as well. Ingredients that will not only help us begin well, but help us to move forward well. Now, Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, he gives these to you and he says that these are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience. Now, some versions would use the word forbearance where patience is found, but we're going to use patience today. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he adds at the end, and against such things there is no law, which essentially means when you practice these, in Jesus' name, when you practice these in the exercise of your faith, nothing can stand against you. No enemy, no will, no power, no disease, no dysfunction. Nothing can stand against you when you practice 
these fruits. Now, we're, we're going to look at these fruits of the Spirit, not just as attitudes or ideas or even instructions, but we're going to look at them as ingredients. Meaning, an ingredient is, um, um, in fact, I made something for you guys today. I, start, I, I, I felt like on my first Sunday, we're going to eat together, and the best way to get to my heart is through my tummy. And so I'm, I'm, I'm banking on, if I give you something to eat today that's good, that I'll kind of work my way into your hearts a little bit more. So what I did today was I made something to you, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But I want to use these fruits of, a, of the Spirit as, as ingredients. And, and, what, and kind of why I, I brought it that way is because whenever you're going to try to make something, create something that you're going to want to share or that you, that, that, that you hope is, uh, turns out to be amazing, you've got, you got to find the right ingredients, right? You have to go and get them. You have to find these ingredients. You have to collect them. You have to gather them. Now, when I bring the fruits of the Spirit to you today as ingredients, they, they are things that we're to bring to the table in our faith journey. But when Paul is writing this scripture, he's not telling the believers that he's writing to to go get these. He's referring to fruits that they should already possess, that they should already have. That these fruits, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they should already be part of a believer's life. But I realize that sometimes in life, and probably in the, the, the season, the last 16 to 24 months that we've experienced, sometimes it's hard for us to find these fruits of the Spirit, even in the life of a believer. And so today, today is a kind of a reminder, it's a challenge, and it's encouragement that if you, if you, if you can exercise or practice these fruits of the Spirit that God literally puts in you when He gives you the Holy Spirit, not only can you grow and be a more effective believer and Christian, but you can find things in your life that you just didn't seem to think that you'd ever accomplish or, or, or gain. And, and if you're in a season where you're like, Pastor, you just read off these nine attributes and I did a little personal inventory and the personal inventory, I am way, I mean, if this was my GPA, my Fruits of the Spirit GPA would be low. That's okay. Because I understand we go through difficult seasons and difficult times. But this message is designed to help you to recognize that those fruits, they're still there in every life of a believer because of Christ Jesus living in us. We just need to learn to practice them. You haven't lost them. No matter what you've been going through in life, you haven't lost these. They're still there. You just need to rediscover them and use them. And they're there because we're filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit-led believer should have these. They're there. So today, we're going to use these nine attributes, these nine ideas, these, these nine fruits. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to, to give us a recipe for a beginning and how to move forward. We're going to use these as ingredients to begin well, and I pray to, to just become something really, really amazing. Now, the beauty of these fruits is they characterize something that's very healthy and very good. Uh, it's like a church who stands for a brand new pastor. A healthy church, a church that's 
ready and willing to move forward and, and take, take over a community for Christ. It, 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 it's, it's, it characterizes a group of people entering a new season with lots of hope and lots of expectations and, and anticipating that God would do amazing things. Now, I want to caution you that we're in this together. I know a lot of you have expectations and you're anticipating that God will do great things because God brought you this pastor all the way from Oregon and on his first Sunday is wearing red shoes and if he's brave enough to do that, he just might be brave enough to help take a community for Jesus. But I can't do it by myself. I gotta have you with me. And so all of this, all of this hope, all of this expectation, all of this anticipation that you have, my shoulders are not big enough to bear it. I need you to do the same. I need you to have the same anticipation, the same hope, the same expectation that ECCN can make a difference where we're planted and in every one of these little communities that are connected to us. Can't do it alone. So today as we look at these fruits of the Spirit, I want you to try to do a bit of an inventory and see where you are and how you are doing with them. And if there's one in particular that you really need help with, boy, focus in on how we talk about it, when we talk about it. These, these fruits, they also, they also characterize production, uh, being productive in our faith. They also characterize a stable believer, somebody that's stable in their walk with God. You know, what, you know what I think is cool about these fruits too? Is they have the ability to change the course of our lives. They have the, they have the ability to change the, the course of our attitudes. Do you know that if your marriage is struggling, it might be because you're lacking practicing the fruits of the Spirit. And if you, if you decide to start practicing the fruits of the Spirit in your marriage, your marriage will improve. It's not might improve. I guarantee you, you practice the fruits of the Spirit in your marriage your marriage will improve. If you struggle going to work on Monday because you're not really sure if you like the boss, you're not really sure if you like the job, you practice the fruits of the Spirit at work and your perspective of the job will change. I guarantee you. Because the Spirit of God does nothing but change people. So let's talk about fruit for a little while this morning. Do you like fruit? How many of you really like fruit? More hands than I thought I would see this morning. Are you inspired by fruit? Not as many hands. Why in the world am I so inspired about fruit today? Well, let me tell you how I, 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 I found this inspiration. So when we came in May to meet you as a church, we had several days. The board was gracious enough to bring us out with enough time to really see the area. And we were driving around, and we ended up in Westlake, and we ended up at the Barnes & Noble in Westlake, um, and we we're wandering around in the store, and my wife saw this book. And this book is titled, Leading Things You Didn't Start. Winning Big When You Inherit People, Places, and Possibilities. And she's like, wow, this sounds like something that would really help you in this journey that we're on together. And I'm like, man, you're right. And so I picked it up, and I started kind of reading a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting this book. So literally, uh, when we were here in May, I purchased this book and I began reading. And I only got to the second chapter uh, of the book when I was inspired by fruit. Because the, the author, Tyler Regan, he, 
he challenges new leaders, leaders going into a new assignment to start, to begin by practicing the fruits of the Spirit. And his theory is if you, if you as a leader practice the fruits of the Spirit, not only will you start well, will you move forward well, but the people that you are leading will see those fruits exhibited in you and they will, they will accept you, they will follow you, they will, they will trust you so much quicker. And so I was convinced right then and there that I wanted to come here and begin my ministry with you by leading with the fruits of the Spirit. And then the Lord said to me, well, Scott, if you're going to lead with them, then they need to, they need to practice them too. And so he helped me craft this, craft this message. In fact, he helped me craft, craft this message for you and almost the exact same message for the church that I just left. Because they were beginning a transition, much like you did, you know, nine months ago, eight months ago. And they needed, I felt like the Lord said, give them the fruits of the Spirit. They're going to need the fruits of the Spirit as they go through a pastoral transition. So essentially, I preached a similar message to them just six weeks ago. So I was inspired by this book, and, and this book, I think, it's given me my marching orders. In fact, I think I listened to it about six times, audiobook version on the way, when I drove here in the U-Haul all by myself with no air conditioning for 2,600 miles. Me and Tyler Regan, we got to know each other really well. And it was just the second chapter of the book where practicing the fruits of the Spirit not only help you lead well, not, help you, not only help you begin well, but help you move forward well. So let's talk about fruit for a minute. Um, do you ever go to the grocery store, and in the grocery store you see in the produce section they have all these exotic fruits? How many of you have ever purchased an exotic fruit? I hate exotic fruit. <laughs> and here's why I hate exotic fruit. Because I go to the grocery store with my 14-year-old daughter, and we end up in the produce section, and she feels, fills that basket, that front part of the basket where a child should normally sit, um, she fills it with exotic fruit, and I hate exotic fruit. Do you know why I hate exotic fruit? Because when you get to the check stand and they start ringing up that exotic fruit, $9 for a dragon fruit, $14 for two what? I, don't, I can't even pronounce it. And before too long, I have like $45 of exotic fruit. But she wants it. Dad is so good. I want to try this. You know, this is healthy. And then we get it home and it gets in the refrigerator and she will cut open something brand new that she's purchased, well, that I've purchased for $15 and she'll take one little bite of it and she'll like, oh, this is gross. And then it goes in the garbage can. So I hate exotic fruit. Now, I know that they're healthy and they're good, but I hate exotic fruit. In fact, um, in, in our family, I have this little kind of joke. I, so um, some of you don't know this, but I'm a model railroader. I'm, I, I love to build trains and that's why I'm buying a, a basement with a house on top of it here in Amherst. And Sean and I, are we are best buddies already. But I have this, this completely fictional railroad that I'm building. And in, on this fictional railroad that I'm building, every town is connected to a family member. And so I have a little area, a little town on the agricultural center of my layout is going to be the Spoiler Valley. And the reason why it's the Spoiler Valley is because my beautiful daughter of 14 years old has spoiled more fruit than anyone should be allowed to spoil. And so I just, I, I don't like exotic fruit because of how much it costs. And we put more fruit down the garbage than anybody should be allowed to. But I realize when you eat fruit, what I realize about fruit is it is good for us. It is healthy in it. It's brimming with goodness. 
you know, healthy fruit, good fruit brings life to anybody who eats it. We all know the benefits of eating fruit, but we don't always do it, do we? And we know the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit, but we don't always practice them. And here's the thing. Everyone who exercises the fruits of the Spirit, they will be healthy spiritually. They will make a difference in their families, in their communities, the place they work, the places that they play. Everyone who practices the fruits of the Spirit will influence others to do the same. Practicing the fruits of the Spirit in the body of Christ is contagious. People will just start to practice them right next to you because you are. So let's, be, let's begin well today with these nine simple attributes, these nine simple character qualities, ingredients, the fruits of the Spirit. Now, I have to confess, I, I'm not a big fruit eater. I never have been a big fruit eater. Um, I still don't eat much fruit. Um, in fact, growing up, the best way for me to eat fruit, the only way for my mom to get me to eat fruit was her world-famous fruit salad, which is what I'm holding here. Now this, what I'm holding in my hand, is the best way to get your pastor to eat fruit. And it is a bowl filled with whipped cream and marshmallow goodness. And oh, by the way, there's a few fruits inside it. And, I might add, it is topped with maraschiano cherries. Lots of maraschiano cherries. Now, we're going to have this for lunch. And you're going to have to beat me to the top of this salad. Because it's the best part. Now, this was the only way my mom could get me to eat fruit. And she did it. She made it for Christmas. She made it for my birthday. And that was the way she got me to eat fruit. So today, we're going to use this fruit salad, my mom's fruit salad, to, uh, as a kind of a canvas for us breaking down these fruits of the Spirit. Now, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, the first one is love. Now, if we truly are using my mom's fruit salad as the canvas, the top of this fruit salad is love. These Marciano cherries are my favorite. I mean, you, you could argue these aren't really fruit. I mean, they used to be, but they're probably not anymore. But these are love because my mom knew that I loved them. And my mom knew that I wouldn't eat the fruit salad unless I... See, she put those on top to lure me in, to get me to eat the fruit salad. And so she knew that if she put them on there, I would eat the fruit salad. Sometimes she would even hide some others in the middle because she knew that if, if I knew they were in there, I'd dig a little deeper and I'd get a little bit more. And, and, and so um, the maraschino cherries are the love fruit of the Spirit. And here's why um, on this bowl, you'll notice, there's going to be another bowl in lunch today, and there's not as many cherries on top of it because this is my bowl. <laughs> and my bowl ha is, I mean, is just covered with them because this represents to me how much my mom loved me. My mom loved me so much that she would put as many Marciano cherries on top of that salad as she could fit. And see, that's what love is. Mom, love brings people in, and love shows people how much you really care about them. See, here's the truth about love. If you feel loved, if you feel cared for by anyone, you'll give everything to them. You will. 
But the same is, is true if you don't feel loved or if you don't feel cared for. It's nearly impossible for you to move forward. It's nearly impossible for you to stay together. It's nearly impossible. Check this out. It's, never, it's, it's nearly impossible for you to be prepared for what God may do or to even see what God may be doing if you don't love each other. So you've got to lead with love. You've got to start with love. And this fruit, this is not the garnish. I mean, this is what my mom used to get me into the bowl. But it's not the garnish. I, I would say that the fruit of the Spirit of love is, is arguably the most non-negotiable fruit, especially for beginnings. So my challenge is let's begin well by loving each other. Loving each other well. If we love each other well, God's going to do amazing things. Here's the other thing. There's people out there that don't know Jesus yet, and if we can figure out a way to love them as good as or better than we love each other, God will use that too. God will do something incredible as we love the people that are outside of this church right now. So much depends on love. You know that. So much, I mean, let's face it, ladies. You wouldn't be putting up with your man as long as you have if you didn't love him. I mean, I, I got 28 years and love is what's kept us going. Love and care are important in any life-giving experience. If we can begin, you know, a lot of times people say, so you have a new ministry, Pastor. So how's your ministry, Pastor? No, this is not my ministry. This is our ministry. So if we can begin our ministry together by loving each other, we'll get off to a great start. We will get off to a great start. Now, our second fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit of joy. Now, in my almost 14 years of full-time ministry, the spirit of joy is the one uh, that I have found set, that separates Christians from non-Christians. Because what, what the Christian possesses in regards to joy, the world doesn't seem to get very often. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of times, the Christian can go through the most difficult season of their lives, but yet still have joy. The Christian can go through the midst of losing a loved one, but yet still have joy. The Christian can go through the worst diagnosis and a battle to, for their life, and yet still have joy. And the world doesn't have that. Now, some do. Some can. Some people outside of Christianity can, can find that same level of joy. But the one thing that, that I think has characterized more believers that I've met and that I've had an opportunity to know is that there is joy even in the midst of difficulties. See, joy, it's a character trait of those who follow Jesus because we know that even in the most darkest moments, Jesus brings light. Even in the deepest valley, Jesus brings hope. Even in the worst news of your life, even on the worst day of your life, Jesus shows up and brings hope and healing. In good times and bad times, we should still be able to find joy. Now, here's the thing, though. We've got to be careful that we don't judge people based on what we think is how they, how they exude joy. Because every believer goes through a season of difficulty, and they might exhibit joy in a completely different way. For some, it may be very obvious 
on the outside. We may be able to see it very obviously on the outside. In the midst of losing someone, they celebrate their life and, their, and, and, and all that, and, and they just exude it. You just, you can't, you see it on them. But then there's others that may go through the same kind of experience, yet they're quiet, they're reserved. They seem to be um, not doing as well. But they still may have joy. They, they still have joy because uh, sometimes we grieve differently. And someone might grieve where you aren't able to see joy, but they do because they know that their loved one is in a far better place. I've done funerals where it's been truly a celebration. And then there have been times when I've done funerals where I, even as a pastor, there's sometimes I, I, I've, said to, I've, I, I've said to myself, gosh, I, based on where I think there are, they are in their faith, I just felt like they'd be a little more further along in the grieving process. And that's wrong. Because everybody grieves differently. But for the Christian, there's always joy there. There's always some joy. I'm so, gal- I'm so glad that Paul included joy. I'm equally glad that Jesus recognizes that not everyone would find joy so easily. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. And then he says, But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. See, the believer will see the narrow path, and even though there may be difficulties, they will find joy all along the way because they know that Jesus has set the course. See, I think Jesus was alluding to this very concept because it, it may be hard and it might be different, but it's a better way. Finding joy in everything is evidence of allowing the Spirit of God to move in you in every season you might experience, in every experience, in every change, in every transition. So let us commit to finding joy in everything that we do together, whether it's in good times or bad. We're going to have some great times together. And then we're going to have some rough times together. But let there be joy in every one of those seasons. Now, number three is peace. And this is a challenging fruit because it generally becomes a factor when you're in a season of struggle or when you're in a time of insecurity. Most often, the fruit of the spirit of peace doesn't show up until the end. Because we're human. We like to kind of see how things are going to play out before we come to some sort of conclusion with God. Right? This, this fruit tends to show up at the end. Well, peace being one of the last fruits to show, to show up, it, it's the same for me. There are times when I'm in the midst of something and I'm like, okay, God, I trust you and I know that you're going to show up in this, but I'm a little bit uncertain. I can tell you in the last few weeks with purchasing a house, there's different moments where you're waiting for an appraisal and you're like, okay, I really want to find some peace in this, but I really want to know what the value is. I really want to know what they need me to fix. See, for a Christian practicing the fruit of the Spirit of faith, that kind of faith believes that God is on the move even when we don't see or feel that he's on the move. Finding peace in our hearts in the midst of difficulties is having this confidence and trust that regardless of what my temporary circumstances are, God is still in control. And God still has this. This is the fruit I think that we beat ourselves up over. 
This is the fruit that I think when we struggle to find, we beat ourselves. I just, I should, I should have peace now. Shouldn't I have peace? I, you know, I, you know, God has blessed me. God has done this, but I still lack this. And see, here's the thing. We have to remember, we are human. We're flesh and blood. And like all the other fruits, we don't produce peace. God does. Through the Spirit of God living in us and working through us. Where do we find this kind of strength? Where do we find this kind of peace? When, 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 when God alludes to us having this kind of peace, where does it come from? Well, sp- Scripture makes it very clear that for believers, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, and that's where the Spirit of peace comes from. Romans 8.11 says this, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of this, His Spirit who lives in you. See, the very same power, the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in each and every one of us. You want to find peace, tap into the power that Christ put in you that raised him from the dead. See this, you know what this means for us? It means we don't have to whip up, we don't have to whip up joy. We don't have to whip up peace because God himself who dwells among you, he puts it there, which means we no longer have to live by the world's ways. We no longer have to live the way the world does. See, we now live on God's terms. So it stands to reason that if, if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, giving you life as well. See, when God lives and breathes in you, you're delivered from a dead life to a new life in Christ. You want to find peace? Bury the old life. It's dead and buried. Live in your new life. That's where peace is found. Now, our fourth fruit of the Spirit is patience. But I'm going to ask you to be patient with me because we're going to put that at the end of the message. So we're going to just move on to kindness. One of the things that I think has made this process, the interviewing process, the meeting you process, the move here so wonderful has been your kindness. You have been incredibly kind people. Can you do something for me? I mean, really quick. Can you think, right now, can you think of a time when someone showed you kindness? Can you put in the forefront of your mind when somebody showed you kindness and the emotions and the feelings that that gave you? If you remember somebody showing you kindness, if you remember that, you know how much it meant to you. And I think it's because we've, when we've received kindness... It is because um, it, it means something to us. It makes a difference in our lives. It makes an impact. And I think because we have received kindness, it is one of the fruits of the spirits that should be the easiest to produce. If people have been kind to you, you should find it easy to show kindness to others because you've received it. Kindness should be the most prevalent and one of the most notable fruits in the entire fruit salad. Now, today when you eat my mother's fruit salad, you might find that they're, the, the most prominent fruit is probably going to be the bananas. Why bananas? There's not a ton of them in there, but bananas are weird. I mean, they got a weird texture. They're kind of slimy. I made it last night. I'm not quite sure how fresh they're going to be tomorrow. They were really close to green when I put them in, so let's hope and pray. But they should, you know, kindness should be the most prominent thing. But all too often, it lags behind. 
And we need to be reminded of the importance of kindness. Just recently, I was reminded, and I had the opportunity to remind uh, someone of the importance of kindness. In my church in, in Oregon, I have a, uh, there's a man there named Gene, and he's our church board finance, he's the finance chair. Um, in fact, he's helping lead them through their transition right now. Gene and I are both baseball guys. We love baseball. And over the course of the last few years, he's brought me baseball cards of some of my favorite Cincinnati Red players. Well, when uh, I told him that we had been called here and we were leaving the church, he came to me one uh, day on a Tuesday, and he gave me this. And I don't know if you can see this, but this is a Chief Wahoo baseball, okay? And now, because the, the Cleveland Indians have fallen off, they've done their whatever. I'm not going to go into that today. But anyways, this is kind of a collector's item. But Gene, he gave me this Chief Wahoo baseball that he had found years and years ago. Now, which was incredibly kind. And, and how does kindness translate? Well, I was packing the house, and for some of you, you might not know this, uh, before I became a pastor in, my, in a previous life, I was a professional baseball umpire, and I umpired minor league baseball. And every year when you went, to, at the beginning of the season, you had the guys in your crew sign baseballs, and so we'd sign our names on them. And I went to an instructional league one year, and we signed baseballs. And so I was packing all of my stuff to move here, and I came across a lot of those old baseballs. Well, I found one baseball that was very special to me because it was an instructional league that I had spent in Arizona. And on that baseball was 16 signatures. And four of those signatures are current major league umpires, guys who made it all the way to the major leagues. There's also two names of Japanese umpires. The first two Japanese umpires that worked in professional baseball in the United States had come to, the, come to Phoenix that year in 1992 and umpired. And I found this baseball and immediately, because of Chief Wahoo, and Gene's kindness, I was like, I have to give this baseball to Gene. I ha he has to have this. And so I, I told my family, I said, I'm going to give Gene this baseball. And they were like, well, why are you going to do that? This has like four of your favorite guys and major league guys and has the two Japanese guys. And I'm like, because it's the right thing to do. It's, he was so kind to me with that. It's just the right thing to do. This gift will mean more to him than if I ever kept that for myself. And that's what the fruit of the spirit of kindness is recognizing that you've been given kindness and just you you got to give it away because you've received it when someone's been kind to you you remember it and that does something to the relationship because even if there are days when even if there are days when somebody who's been kind to you might hurt your feelings might say the wrong thing it's so much easier to forgive them because they've been kind to you Kindness is not hard to forget. It's such a powerful fruit. So as we begin, as we grow together, as we seek God together, who will inevitably lead us toward change? And that change will be great. But it also may present difficulties, maybe hard situations. I believe that if we begin and always practice kindness, we'll, we'll be able to handle every situation every growing pain in a God-honoring way with kindness. You know what kindness will also do? It'll cut through the drama. It'll, cut, it'll cut through any kind of weirdness. And you know what it will also do? It will inspire us to be unified. Kindness will unify a group of people. And another thing that kindness does is it yields wisdom and discernment. 
Kindness will help us practice, practice Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. To trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways. Submit to Him, and He'll make our path straight. Kindness leads the way. Number five, goodness. Now, goodness and kindness, they sound similar, but they actually are different. They're very different qualities. They're different ingredients. And see, I think, I think kindness is what we, what we do to others, but you know what I think goodness is? Goodness is what we feel for others. I mean, it's easy to give somebody a gift or to be kind to them outwardly, but what we feel about somebody inwardly, I think that's where the, the, the fruit of the Spirit of goodness really uh, lands. They're different. See, I've always seen goodness as the condition of the heart that wants the best for people around us. How do you identify the fruit of the Spirit of goodness in your life? Well, let me ask you this. When there's someone that you don't quite fit in with, that you don't quite agree with, I mean, deep down, do you truly, do you truly want the best for them? Or do bitterness and frustration dictate your feelings toward them? See, I think... When we experience God's goodness, we discover, number one, our identity in Christ. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. See, goodness comes from having comfort in our identity with Christ. And because we now know that God sees us differently, we should see others differently as well. See, goodness is the fruit that helps us to see and discern people the way that God sees them because of the way God sees us. And that changes the way that we respond to each other. And our response is to allow God's goodness to be our goodness because our goodness will never be as good as God's goodness. And his perspective of you will never be, my, my perspective of you will never be as good as God's and your perspective of me, of me will never be as good as God's perspective of me. But if we can practice God's perspective of how good he sees me or how good he sees you, if I can do that, God can do amazing things in our relationships. Because we know that in our own strength, it's almost impossible to respond to people in ways that are pure and good all the time. But with God, all things are possible. So as we begin to grow together, let's let the spirit of goodness help us be discerning Let's, it, let it, let's let it help us be fair, compassionate, flexible, and good. Because God's goodness has been given to each and every one of us. Here's what Exodus 33, 19 says. The Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See, mercy and compassion are are the evidence of goodness. And if we practice mercy, compassion on one another, it will be the evidence of God's goodness in our lives as well. Now, number six is faithfulness. And what is faithfulness? I mean, it's, it's probably the, the fruit of the Spirit with the most layers. It's probably the, the biggest one to even comprehend. Uh, there's other words for faithfulness, constancy, loyalty, dependability, trustworthy. Um, they're all equal to faithfulness. Of all the fruits, this one is probably the deepest. I think the fruits of the Spirit, these are not in my mother's fruit salad, um, but I think the fruit that best describes faithfulness is a pomegranate. Pomegranate. I don't know if you've ever cut into a pomegranate before. 
but they, are, they have the most layers. It's a multi-layered fruit. It's got a network of casings, internal webs, folds, veins. They're really kind of disgusting, to be honest with you. It has the highest surface area of any fruit once the components of it are laid out. So I believe, like a pomegranate, there's no other fruit of the Spirit that it has more layers than this one. I mean, think about it. You can't do only one thing faithfully and all of a sudden become faithful. Think about it. You, you, can't, do just, you can't do something just once and be labeled faithful. You, you can't be faithful or dependable once and just be labeled faithful. I mean, come on, guys. We should know this better than anybody. You can't pick your shorts up off the bathroom floor and all of a sudden your wife is like, oh, you're such a faithful husband. I mean, come on, guys. You can't just, you can't just put the seat down once and all of a sudden be faithful in putting the seat, right? Because you, you can't act a certain way one time and all of a sudden become, be considered faithful. You can, however, decide to display this trait from the very beginning, knowing that it will take time for you to be proved faithful. Because if you start off on the wrong foot, it could derail the entire process before it ever begins. Now here's the beauty of faithfulness. It has many layers. So as we begin this journey together, let's be faithful to each other, recognizing that we will experience many opportunities to be faithful to each other. So let's be loving and kind and good as we become faithful. And again, this fruit comes from the Spirit of God working in us and through us. So our job is to stay connected to God. The best way to discover what God wants and to follow God and to is to stay connected. And Pastor Brown used this scripture in the installation earlier, John 15. I am the vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more faithful. So love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now, number seven, gentleness. Now, if there's a fruit I think that we all need, all the time I would nominate gentleness, which requires us being calm, having patience with each other, being emotionally intelligent about things, just to name a few. I mean, gentleness really requires the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Because in new beginnings, there will be opportunities for me as the pastor and you as a church to step in and step up and lead, to guide, even change things. There will be a propensity, human, in, my, in my humanness, there, there could be a propensity for your leaders to say, Pastor, we want you to lead in this. Just do it. And, and if I grab a hold of something, too tight without an appropriate without practicing the fruit of the spirit that could send things in a very bad place very quickly and so practicing gentleness as a pastor and as a congregation is important especially in new beginnings we realize that there are going to be times when when i as your pastor have to take charge of something have to grab a hold of something and, when, and here's the thing that we have to resist. The natural tendency when you grab a hold of something is to tighten your grip. And once we have a hold, it's even more natural 
to hold on to it when there's times when you're supposed to let it go and give it to someone else. See, the fruit of gentleness can be characterized by being given an opportunity or responsibility and handling it with the grace it requires. See, our natural reaction is to operate out of power and control instead of gentleness. So even when we need to make hard decisions or make changes, let's do so with gentleness. And we need to resist the temptation to be overbearing. Because sometimes I think when, when you jump in to lead, it's like, well, you've got to lead, and if you don't lead, you're going to seem weak. See, a lot of times people think that being gentle is a sign of weakness, but it's not. I think being gentle is a sign of strength. When you're weak, you're just a jerk. When you're weak, you don't tell the whole truth. When you're weak and you have to make a hard decision, you handle it like a dictator without considering the feelings of others. So can we let our beginning be defined by being gentle, by leaning into the fruit of gentleness? Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 6 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Number eight, self-control. Now, if you put a Diet Dr. Pepper in front of me, take me to a train store, vans. There was a store in Oregon that made this artisan carrot cake that was over the moon good. You put that in front of me, I struggle to say no. I'm really, really good at, ta- at talking myself into why I deserve things. I'm going to shoot straight with you about my personality. I can pretty much justify spoiling myself with, with any of these things, anytime, any place, regardless of whether I need it or not, regardless of whether I can afford it or not. If there's one fruit that I long to possess more than anything, it's self-control. Not because I actually want to sacrifice for this fruit, but because it's the product of serious virtue and discipline. You really want to get serious with God? Self-control is the one that really surfaces. Because it means surrender. It means giving over our will and our desires to the will and desires of God the Father. This fruit could also be called the fruit of discipline, which why I think the fruit of the Spirit of self-control which could also be called discipline, is the most disliked fruit. It's the most hated fruit of all of them because because it it requires us to forgo our own will. Self-control is like, uh, I researched, you know what the most hated fruit is? The most disliked fruit? It's the fig. It's the fig. I I think it's because it's just a gnarly thing that, I mean, you got to really work at it to get to the goodness. That's why if you want a fig, just buy Fig Newtons. filled with just great wisdom and insight. I, it's like the fig. You, you just, I think it's also like this drink that my wife drinks. The le- it's the le- Do you know what I think is the second least favorite fruit of all time? It's the grapefruit. The grapefruit is the worst fruit. I mean, it's called the grapefruit. You would think that they're, you know, grapes are good. When you eat a grape, you're like, man, I want to eat more of these. But there's not a single grape in a grapefruit. I don't know why they connect these two. And my wife makes this drink with grapefruit juice and and seltzer water, and it's just like battery acid. I don't know how she drinks it. I have some other colorful terms for this drink that I won't share with you today, but it's disgusting. 
See, the fruit of self-control, it's, for some of us, it can be distasteful because we think we know what's best for ourselves. And see, the, 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 the fruit of, of self-control means we say, God, you know what's best for me, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to work in my life rather than lean on my own understanding. So how does this fruit play out in, in new beginnings? Well, it helps us to make good, responsible choices. It challenges us to stay connected to God. And connection is imp- imperative because being connected to God will help us handle situations well. Self-control will help us. It will prevent us from saying something stupid. And I will. I'm, I guarantee you at some point I'll say something stupid. Remember this message and say we're not going to hold it against pastor. Because I'm going to. My wife, my wife gives me a scorecard at the end of every day. You know what self-control will also help us do? It will help us to avoid knee-jerk reactions. Knee-jerk reactions to things. Self-control will help you put your faith, your hope, your trust and confidence in God in all things in all ways. Proverbs says this about self-control. It's not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now finally, I had you be patient for patience, and here we go. We saved this one to the very end. You could argue this is the most important fruit of the Spirit. And this was so hard for me when we moved here. I have to admit, when we moved here, I committed to taking this, this six-week break. Um, I, I was kind of leaning the other way, and Pastor Brown sent me an email and said, No, Scott, I think the more I think about it, you need to take this break. And, 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 and on the way uh, moving, Kristen said, you've got to do me a favor. When we get there, I know we got the six-week break, but I know you, and I know you're going to want to jump in, and you're going to want to just do, and you're going to want to show up at the office. And, you're gonna, and, and, and she's like, you better not do that. And so it required a great deal of patience for me not to just jump in. And the reason why is because I didn't want to feel idle during this process, like nothing was happening. Here's the thing. Being patient does not equal idleness. There's a massive difference between idleness and patience. And too often we miss the important piece of the puzzle. Often when we are waiting, we find ourselves idle, but that doesn't mean we can't do anything. It's just as important to keep planting new seeds as it is to wait to see the ones grow that have already been planted. So, for my first message with you, church family, I really believe this is the best place for us to start. The best place for us to start our ministry together. Because you know what the word tells us time and time again? Healthy trees, they bear good fruit. And unhealthy trees, they bear bad fruit. So let's begin this adventure with healthy fruit. If you and I lead the way, God will bear fruit in us and through us that will just blow you away. So let's start right here today with the amazing, the time-tested, God-originated fruits of the Spirit. Let this be the foundation. Let this be what we build upon. And you know what's awesome about what we're doing, what we're building upon? I don't know if you know this or not, but we... We, we don't just come to church. Every single thing we do, from the moment we pull into this parking lot on a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, any day you have an opportunity to serve in the ministries of this church, every time 
whether you're leading worship, whether you're holding a baby in the nursery, whether you're cleaning on a Monday through Thursday, every single thing you do as a part of this body of Christ, you make an eternal difference. You make an eternal difference when you clean a bathroom. You make an eternal difference when you mow the lawn outside. Because someone might choose to come to our church because of the stewardship of our property. And that person might come to know Christ because they just saw, gosh, these people seem to care about their church. If they care about the church, I bet you they will care about me too. And they show up. And then we present the life-changing gospel to them and everything changes. So let's do this. Today, let's get in step with the Spirit and believe that we can do great things with God's help. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. Today's been a, a while coming and we're so grateful and we're so thankful for that. Now, Lord, we as a church body, we as a church family, we endeavor to, to grab a hold of to collect, to recognize we already possess these beautiful fruits of the Spirit. And in these fruits of the Spirit, we know that they will help us not only seek you for the wisdom that we need to find the mission and vision of our church moving forward, but also to help each and every one of us in our own personal lives grow and become deeper, connect, deeper connected with you. By practicing these fruits, we know that our marriages and our families and our lives, the way we work, the way we play will change and be better. And so may God today be uh, in this new beginning for us. May we all practice these fruits of the Spirit. And when challenges and difficulties come, let them be the power of God that works in us and through us that defeats Satan right in his tracks. And believe you me, when God is on the move, Satan is, is, is close by. And a body of believers that practice the fruit of the Spirit will put Satan in his place faster than anything. And so may God, you help us as a church family. Would you help me as the pastor to lead with these fruits? I want this church, I want this church family to see them in me and say, if pastor's, if, if pastor's willing, I'm willing. If pastor's doing it, I'm doing it. And as we lead with the Spirit, we lead with these fruits of the Spirit, God, you're going to do something incredible in this church, and we can't wait to see what it is. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. We're going to have lunch. So real quick, I'm going to pray for lunch, and we're going to go out and have lunch. And how late am I? Wow, I kept you at almost 1230. I'm going to not do that again. <laughs> Promise. So let's pray for the food. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our fellowship and our food today. Thank you for those who prepared it. Now bless our fellowship together in Jesus' name. Amen.